This is Amy Nair, and welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, and today I am joined by bestselling author Eileen Garvin. I'm so excited that she's here, and I'm going to start by giving a little introduction about her. Eileen was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. She's the youngest of five children, and she's always been close to her sister, Margaret, who, in fact, she's also written a book about, a nonfiction book, How to Be a Sister, and I'm going to ask her about that at the very end. Uh, she's completed her BA in English at Seattle University and her MA in English at the University of New Mexico. She writes for newspapers, magazines, and websites from Hood River, Oregon, where she lives with her husband. And her debut novel, The Music of Bees, which is also set in Hood River, was published in April 2021 and immediately selected as a Good Morning America buzz pick, no no pun intended, uh, a Good Housekeeping book club pick, and an Indie Next pick and a library reads pick. And some people, um, reviewers have compared her to Ann Tyler and Sue Miller, and comparisons have also been made to the novel, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. So with that, I wanted to welcome Eileen and say hello. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming. Now tell everybody, because we're just on audio here, when you um, logged on, it looks like, you're in a very rustic, I mean, the, you write about, I know Hood River is a more laid back community, but where are you right now? I'm at the family cabin in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And nice. uh, I had really, I set up my computer right before I called you in the best spot to reach the outlet, not realizing that behind me would be an array of, of Garvin family paraphernalia, including eggshells and, and jaw bones of animals and um, old photos and, uh, a wonderful um, collection of, of of relics from the family lake cabin. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, it definitely looks like the West, for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the West. Um, okay, well, let's, let's start by, um, I'd like it if you could tell people, in your words, give people a summary of this book. What, what's it about? Sure. Um, the Music of Bees is, is the story of of three lonely strangers who meet by chance um, on a beekeeping farm in in Hood River, Oregon, which as as you mentioned is where also where I live. So we have three main characters. Alice Holtzman is 44. She's an overworked, underappreciated county employee, and she's recently lost her husband, and she's just absolutely devastated. Um, Alice is kind of a loner, and this particular grief has is just really something that's difficult for her to process on her own. Um, and then she meets by chance Jacob Stevenson, who has the tallest mohawk in the history of Hood River Valley High School. Um, he's 18 years old and was on his way graduating from school. He was going to go to Seattle, the music school, get out of his, this little you know podunk town. But following an accident at a high school party, Jacob is now in a wheelchair and really grappling with a changed circumstances in his own life. Um, and the third of this unlikely trio is Harry Stokes, who's 24. He's kind of a bumbler. Um, and he made some poor choices that landed him in jail and have left him trying to find his way and, and make a new life for himself. And the way the three of them come together is around the bee, the bees at Alice's farm and become friends through this common interest, um, if, if unlikely friends um, at that. So um, in, in a way... 
and, and I, I won't say any more than that, but that's, that's essentially the, the, the plot. Uh, the setting, as you mentioned, is, is Hood River, Oregon, which is where I live. It's a town of about 7,500 people on the Columbia River in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area, which is in north central Oregon. And it's my fictionalized version of, of Hood River. So I've taken some, some flack from locals about some, some uh, poetic license that I took about things. But it's a lovely place and I love to write about it. So that was a real pleasure. Um, and the last element that I'll mention is that there's quite a lot about honeybees in this story. Um, not only because um, Alice is a backyard beekeeper, but it becomes the, this theme for kind of moving the story along and um, and uni uniting the three of them as friends. And it springs out of my own interest as a backyard beekeeper. So those are the people and the place and kind of a main um, trope uh, that I think is enough to give you a sense of what the book is about. Um, okay. I have a lot of questions, but I, I just want to jump in with the beekeeping part. So that's on the cover. The one thing that is really interesting, the book is quite, it looks light, like and really inviting. And the bees on the cover are a little bit cartoon-like, but, but you get pretty detailed into beekeeping and you made it interesting. Like I, before I read the book, I was, I can't say I, I thought much about it. How, where did this interest come from and how did you learn, learn about this? Or I don't know if you call it a craft or what, how did, how did this happen for you? I got my first hive in 2014 and it's pretty easy to get into really um, with, with books and buying, buy, you essentially the easiest way to begin beekeeping is you, you buy a package of bees from a beekeeper, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a box of bees. Yeah. <laughs> it's all buzzing and stressful and you, you know, one of the first things you learn how to do is install it in your hive. Um, so I became interested in 2014, partly because I was just looking for a new hobby. Um, I had, um, I had a really wonderful old dog who was dying and, you know, she was 16 and I, I really was tr trying to do things where I could stay around the house and be available for her. Right. And, um, had friends getting into it. And so I thought, okay, I'll do this. And it's something I can do kind of tend to the bees and tend to the dog. So I got started in 2014 and with some successes and some failures, a, a number of adventures. Um, but in a, uh, during the course of revising this book, I actually started taking the Oregon State University Master Beekeeper Extension Program. I signed on for that right before COVID. And so oh. while I was revising, I was also studying for more formally and I find oh. things and think, Oh, I've got to put this in there. That's so interesting. Um, but be, you know, bees are, fa they're fascinating and they're such an easy way for us to look at the, the wild creatures that we live among because everybody has them around and whether you live in an apartment or a house, you know, you've seen them and we all like honey. So I found it really fun to investigate their behavior I thought I was really drawn to how, like, I remember the guard bees. There are these bees when you open up the hive that come to greet you and check you out. And just how it seems like it seems when you look at a beehive, it looks chaotic, but it sounds like there's a lot of order to it, a natural order, which I thought maybe that I found that really interesting. Um, okay. I wanted to ask the, another question I wanted to ask. You have a very unusual, it's a trio of people that help each other. And it's a middle-aged woman and two younger men. You don't see that a lot in fiction. And 
how did you come up with that? And why did you believe these three characters, they could work the way they did? I'm not sure if I know the answer to that, but I guess um, I, I, I really, at the base, I followed them as they appeared. Okay. And, and Jacob came first. And, you know, people have asked, are any of these characters based on my real life? And, and obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't use a wheelchair. I'm not a man. Maybe I'm more like Alice than anybody else, but I'm also not a widow. Um, I'm not really answering your question. Um, but it wasn't, I, I it follow, just I followed them as they came to me. So Jacob came first and he yeah. came out of a, an ex, a, out of an experience of someone I saw when I was driving through town to go pick up a package of bees. I saw this, um, young man, very fit looking in a Mohawk in a wheelchair on the driving down kind of in the, in the area that I described, which is near my house and Hood River is pretty sporty. And there are a lot of Olymp- Olympians who train there and Paralympians that train there. And so I just assumed, I remember seeing him and thinking he looked very fit and that he must be some, an athlete. Um, and I, but I didn't know him. And I got the idea, the first sentence for the book just jumped into my head at that moment. And I scribbled it down and then I followed Jacob. Like, who is this person? Where is he coming from? And then Alice came next. And I just thought it was, it was a circumstance of saying, okay, well, what would happen if you put these two people together? Each one of them has a particular problem that they have to work out. And how could they help each other? You know, how would, how could that unfold? Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. I, I thought, okay, so it's kind of, you're also talking about a bit about the writing process. Do you, do you create backstories for your characters that we don't know about? Like I've heard a little bit about sometimes people do that, or do we know everything that you know about the characters? No, there's more and, and nothing formal. And I, I love that idea. I've, I've read about authors doing that too, where they will create a whole backstory before they begin drafting a book. And I don't do that, but I think about them all the time. Okay, what, the, what, would, the, what, he, what would their hobbies have been? And what would they have been like, you know, in Alice's case, what was she like in high school? And, and then what, what ended up, you know, what, what was she like in those college ag classes? Who was she sitting next to? And did she sit in the front row? And how did she interact with people? Because she's a little bit awkward and kind of a loner. So that's always in my mind, but it's not something that I formally drafted. Okay. I think one of, I'm guessing one of the things that people really love about the book or what I loved is that it, it didn't seem like any of these three characters were inherently trying to be good or trying to help each other, but then they grew to do that. Sure. Yeah. I like the way you put it like that. It's unintentional and no one, I haven't heard it described that way before, but I like that. And I think, you know, this is, this is often the way life goes that you, you end up with problems that you never anticipated and you find solutions in a way that you never anticipated. And it made me think of the ways that we help each other, the way you, you can have an influence on somebody without, without even knowing that you're going to, or, or a choice that you make that ends leads, leads to a friendship that, that maybe you didn't foresee. So Alice, for example, we start out and she tells us in the beginning that she doesn't, she doesn't like, she doesn't want anyone at her place. She likes living alone. She's <laughs> solitary. She doesn't want one of these volunteer farm workers to come stay with her and work in, in exchange for room and board. She says that right out of the gate. And then, but here she is, she finds herself in the situation after she meets Jake where she has an opportunity to do something. And it's just sort of in her, 
it's like the way we see ourselves, but the way we really are, she's telling us that she doesn't want anything to do with people. And yet she's got this inborn generosity that she, that she can't help but respond to when she sees the chance to help. Yeah, that was, um, and, oh, and there's another storyline weaving through about, um, the environment. Do you, can you touch on that a little bit or, um, or is that, we can't tell too much about that, I guess. Yeah. Well, but I guess I'll just say honeybees are, um, again, an easy way for us to understand human impact on the wild world, because it's something that we can engage with every day. We can have a negative impact with simply with the, the stuff you can buy at the grocery store to, 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 you know, spray on weeds in your garden. Um, it's an easy way, I think, for people to understand that they can make choices that can for good or for good or ill with, with wild, wild creatures. Okay. So I want to move back a little bit to, um, the publishing process. So you sold this novel in February, 2020, and that's interesting to learn about the beekeeping program, but I'm wondering, you sold it at a very specific time in our lives and history, and then you're sitting down to revise it. How did what was going on in the greater world affect, first of all, the direct, like the revision? I think it was the most wonderful distraction for 2020 because like everybody else, it was very overwhelming time. And, um, and my, the work that, that I was doing at the time sort of dried up. I was, uh, at that time doing quite a bit of writing and travel and tourism. Uh oh. (laughs) So, you know, so it was very easy to take a break and put all, put my heart and soul into revising this, this story. So it really, um, because for writing and rewriting and editing and, and thinking about a story, you need that solitary time. And so I sure had a lot of that. That's the, I, I feel like it was a wonderful, it was kind of a gift uh, to be able to spend 2020 working on this book. And did you change anything because of the pandemic? Meaning did anything, I don't know, it could either just be the way you were feeling or did the person, people working with you, did anything change storyline wise because of that? Or it just get, you're just saying you had the time to work. I just, yeah, I just had the time. Nothing, nothing changed with the storyline. And you had such a really cool break. You were selected by uh, Good Morning America as their a pick of the month. And where were you when you heard about that? What was that like? Well, I got an email from my wonderful publicity team about a week prior saying, Hey, this, they've chosen you. Congratulations. By the way, this section often gets bumped for breaking news. So, so, so congratulations, but don't get, don't get too excited. Yeah. And, um, which is, a complicated set of emotions to have, but we are, we all have become accustomed to complicated emotions this year. And, uh, so they asked me to make this video, um, a minute long explaining what the book's about. And that was very difficult (laughs) because, because it's hard. It was just really, the pressure was hard. And I, my husband was helping me and we'd go outside and it would start to rain and then we'd go back inside and I'd wait. And then, and then I'd forget what I was saying. And then the neighbor's dog would start barking. And so it really was uh, funny by the time Friday morning rolled around, I just had it. And I thought, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to check because I was, I was, the whole process was of being excited and, 
it was just too much. And then my in-laws saw it first because they're ahead of our ahead of us and they called. So that was pretty, pretty darn exciting. And I'm of course, so appreciate the support and the exposure that that gave to the book. Um, okay. So I've got some other questions for you. Um, let's talk about, can you tell me a little bit about your, your, your first book you wrote? This is the first book you wrote, how to be a sister. It's nonfiction. Yes. And what, when did you write that? And tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, how to be a sister. I wrote, um, in 2007, uh, 2006, 2007, I'd, I'd recently moved back to the Northwest from New Mexico where I was doing my graduate work. And the, the book is really about, I found myself trying to reconnect with my sister who has severe autism. She's the second of the five of us and I'm the youngest. And so living far away, I really didn't, I, I was really able to, didn't, you know, kind of forget all the family uh, challenges. And, but now being back in the Northwest, I found myself faced with this, this relationship, which was always, was well, always a difficult one. My sister's autism is, is pretty severe. And so communication was, is, remains a hard, um, hard thing for her. So I wrote um, How to Be a Sister partly in, in I, I kind of, writing is very much, is very therapeutic for me. And so sort of figuring out how to approach this relationship as an adult um, was part of the reason I wrote it. But also because I had all these stories that I'd grown up with. Margaret was such a um, major, she's the major figure in our family. She's really the nucleus around which everybody else operates. And so these stories that were, some of which were heartbreaking, but many of which were really funny that I just, we'd all, we'd been telling for years and I wanted to find a place for them. And so how to be a sister is sort of a marriage of those two things, our family story, but then my own uh, journey to connect, reconnect with Margaret as an adult. Um, okay. Now, what are you reading right now? I want to know. What am I reading right now? I read a real mix of things. Okay. Um, I, I love that you ask me this because I always want to know what other people are reading as well. And I try to read, um, I try to read a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Um, right now, I just finished this book by Jackie Polzin. It's called Brood. And um, I'm actually so lucky I get to do an event with her um, next month. And she's a, she's um, from Minnesota. And this book is a brood is ostensibly about a, a woman's obsession with her chickens. But at the core of the story is, a, is a, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a loss there. And it's just beautifully written. And it's unlike anything else I've read in quite some time. So the new fiction. Um, I'm also, I just finished um, Ian Forster's where angels, angels fear to tread. Okay. Love his work. It's in the backlist. What's that? Going in the backlist. Backlist. Yes. Uh, was written in 1905 and it's so spare and so well done. What he can convey in a sentence is incredible. The, the depth of story and, and he's so funny and, and it's written in 1905. So right before world war one. And I think that just, there's a different sensibility to, to that, to modern life. Um, I hope this this one's going to give me some some points with Canadians. This um, is uh, Bedside Book of Birds by Graham Gibson, who was married to Margaret Atwood. Oh, and it's just amazing collection of stories and art that he put together from his travels all over the world about birds. I, I haven't read anything like it. It's really wonderful. Um, and the last one I'll mention, um, I'm reading a book uh, of 
Nancy Pearl is a famous Seattle librarian. And I now I've forgotten the title of the book, but she interviews writers about what they read growing up. And I'm reading that um, kind of, it's taken me months, but you know, it's one of those you read a chapter at night when you go to bed. But so many people have mentioned Watership Down this child children's book. And I thought, okay, now I have to read, I have had it on my shelf and I saw the movie when I was little, but I'd never read the book. And so I'm now, I'm about halfway through it. And boy, it's pretty long. It's about, I want to say it's like five or 600 pages, but it's the, you know, the story of the rabbits that leave the Warren. And I they remember go that. That's, yeah. I and remember pretty that. great. Yeah. Pretty great. And I, I think it's um, a British author. Um, I remember reading that as a kid and really wanting to read it because I thought it was so cool because they were rabbits. Like, but it, yeah, it's got all this symbolism. It's got lots of symbolism for was, community and family, and yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like the book of yeah. whatever year it was published. I'm going to guess it was like '81 or two. I don't remember. That sounds about right. But it was like I don't know why it was as popular as it was, but it was. It, 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 yeah, and it seemed, apparently it's, it continues to speak to people. All these famous writers, including Michael Chabon and Elliot oh. Wild, Waldman, have recommended it. Um, so give it a read. Okay. Um, okay. So the Writers Library. I'm just looking up Nancy Pearl. Is yes. That? Thank you. Yes, that Writers that's Library. It. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, and. I don't know if you do, but do you watch TV or listen to other podcasts? Are there any shows that you are enjoying? Um, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I don't, uh, I was saying when you, I knew we were going to chat about that and I thought, gosh, I wish I had some great recommendations, but I'm, I, I'm home a lot. I feel like podcasts are a thing you listen to in the car, but I love, um, there's one that I love to listen to when I'm cooking called um, Poetry Unbound by Patrick Otuma. It's part of the On Being project. And he's, he's um, an Irish poet and he introduces a poem. He, he reads it and tells you a little bit about the, the poet. And then he explains what he, he does an analysis of what he thinks the poet poem means and then he reads it again and I just love that it's like a little little lesson right there and maybe they're 10 or 15 minutes long so I love that one and last year during the pandemic one of my favorite um podcasts was uh Sugar Calling by Cheryl Strayed and I really hope she was going to make it um an ongoing thing but it, it hasn't resurfaced again and what she did is she called some of her favorite authors on the phone and chatted with them right oh, as the pandemic started. So, so she, cool. she talks to Margaret Atwood and Judy Bloom and Pico Ayer and George Saunders and Joy Harjo. And it was just so, it was exactly what I needed at the time. So I really loved, loved that. That's great. I found when the pandemic started, I first started out listening to, I'd actually, believe it or not, even though I'm doing this podcast, I hadn't listened to podcasts until the pandemic started. And then I was doing them nonstop. And I started doing like stuff that Brene Brown and all that. But I did. Yes. I yeah, didn't, then I didn't want that because I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with my stuff. I want to yeah. actually enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually want to, don't want to think about how to a, be a better person or work through issues. <laughs> I actually just want to like be happy or just yeah. entertained. So right. that I think I, I, the sugar calling sounds good. I'm so excited because you've 
a lot of these things you've mentioned I've never heard of. So I will, um, I will type all these names up in the show notes so people can find them. Um, but to conclude, what are you working on right now? I, I think you're writing something new. What are you doing? I am. I'm working on a new novel, which is why I'm at the family cabin. I, my okay. siblings uh, gave me a week to come out and be on my own, which is so generous of them. Um, so, and I don't want to say too much about it because it's really just in the early stages, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's um, set in the Pacific Northwest. It also includes more people with problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to have problems or what's the- They have to have problems. Otherwise- there'd be no reason to, you know, follow the story. We have to find out what happens. So wildlife uh, included. Is that, is that it? Yeah. I think there will be some okay. wildlife. Yes. Okay. okay. Well, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you and um, I just wanted to thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks to Eileen Garvin for stopping by the podcast. I really enjoyed how she talked about character development and how a character would just appear to her and it would get her thinking and then another one might appear and how she doesn't do a formal uh, backstory on the characters, but she thinks through very much their preferences and what they like and love and dislike. Uh, She mentioned a slew of titles, so I'm going to include that in the show notes. Definitely checking out Cheryl Strayed's Sugar Calling podcast with other authors. And I wanted to remind you, she mentioned something interesting. She mentioned Ian Forrester. Don't forget books, older books. We get caught up in all the new books, and I'm always going to try and talk about those. But we can still go back and review um, classics and I actually have a friend coming on later this fall to do just that so until next time thank you so much for joining I'll talk to you soon